Hello and welcome to the European Hoops Podcast. We are a Sports Eaters presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. We recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Eaters EuroLeague. 324 games after, it is the season's times in the EuroLeague. Ready to go over how we got here and what to expect from the final four, Diogo? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, it, ha- it has been amazing so far uh, hopefully the final four lives, lives up to the hype and i think it will so let's get to it man let's go on this episode we will recap the three games five of this EuroLeague playoffs and preview what to expect from the final four that will be happening in kaunas friday and sunday let's waste no time and get to monaco where the home team has earned the their first ever final four appearance by defeating maccabi with a final score of 97-86 monaco was led by jordan lloyd and mike james who contributed with 21 points each while wade baldwin the fourth scored 27 points for maccabi monaco won the rebound battle on this game with 38 rebounds including 15 offensive rebounds compared to maccabi's 28 this allowed monaco to gain an additional 10 second chance points that were crucial to for this team's victory. The game started with a high scoring first quarter where Wade Baldwin despite, despite fall trouble led the way for the visitors with 10 points but uh, he had to go to the bench with two early falls. Monaco's Mike James had the best performance in the quarter with 11 points for assists and one steal providing the team the hot start that they needed and allowing them to keep up with Maccabi's strong first quarter. Maccabi finished the quarter ahead 33-26. Monaco impressive offensive efforts in the second quarter along with their ability to get stops allowed them to turn around the game. This resulted in a high scoring first half with Monaco tying the game at 45. Monaco kept the momentum going with a 15-0 run uh, into the, the third quarter, taking a commanding lead of 78-62. Maccabi attempted a comeback in the final quarter, but Monaco held on to, to win this game. Monaco going on a 15-0 run in this game, tied Olympiacos' record, achieved less than uh, a day uh, before. We will get to, to that game as the largest run of the EuroLeague playoffs. The ability for Monaco to out-rebound Maccabi on this game and their star guard stepping up to the momentum when they needed to and even while dealing with uh, some injuries letting in the game finding ways to, to still contribute my, uh, namely Lloyd and Mike James were his to this uh, high level game 5 that takes Monaco to their first ever final four it isn't over yet but this is a dream season for Monaco isn't it Diogo? Yeah absolutely uh, I mean capping it off with making it to the final four for the first time in their history and they showed they showed great character because they started the season pretty good, and then uh, Mike's suspension and some guys getting hurt, uh, even if it wasn't for a long period of time, they, they struggled for a bit to close the season. So being able to respond in the playoffs like they did against a great team like Maccabi, I mean, it just shows how good of a team they are, and I think they are ready to compete in the Final Four. Uh, about this game, uh, it, it, it was the key, not only to this game, but for the entire series that Mike James was aggressive from the start. Uh, I think that opens up so much for their team. And the other guys came along with him and followed his lead. And that ended up being great for them because he, he had that amazing first half where he was clearly the best player on the floor, even though Wade gave him a, a run for his money because 
Wade played at an amazing level as well. But uh, yeah, Monaco is just more disciplined and they showed great fight on the board. Uh, they're not a great rebounding team and they, they were able to win the rebounding battle. And I think that was huge for them. So shout out to Monaco because they played a great series. After losing game one, they, they bounced back. They were able to steal one on the road. And now in this game, they, they were amazing. So if they can keep this up, I think they can, they can put up a great fight in the final four. So we'll see what happens. And you absolutely called this game because it was about Mike James showing up and he we always expected him to. The other guards to be able to keep up with him and contribute and for Monaco to be able to balance the battle of the boards. And they did all of those things exactly as you had called and that allowed them to, to come out of this game five with a very important win that is worth their first ever Final Four and big things are ahead for this Monaco team that uh, is aiming at be a permanent member of the EuroLeague and I think that they have shown that uh, they belong in the EuroLeague and they can put up a, a very good and competitive team. They also started to talk about some important pieces that they are considering to add. We will get to that in the, the off-season but it's an excellent season of Monaco and uh, a well-deserved uh, presence in the, the Final Four. What about Maccabi, how do you see the, their season and what do you see briefly from what do you expect from them moving forward? I'm quite excited quite excited about their future with uh, them keeping this core together as we have spoken in the past and I think they can keep building from where they left and this is a team that will be competing for many final fours moving forward, don't you agree? Yeah, they started the season a bit slow uh, because Wade was hurt and you you clearly felt his absence uh, but then they, they kind of figured it out and the way they played at home throughout the whole year was just amazing. Uh, They're going to keep their coach, uh, Katash, for the, the next year. So I think with a full year of work, I think they're going to be even better next season. They might be able to, to add some pieces that, that could make sense for that team. But uh, overall, I think they had a, an amazing season. Uh, if they had uh, started to click a bit earlier, maybe they would have had home court advantage. And I think that would have been huge for them. But uh, even though they lost, I mean... They had a great season. Wade and Lorenzo were amazing. Uh, both guys were nominated to, to all EuroLeague team. So I think they can they have potential to grow and I think they will do that. So I'm looking forward to their next season for sure. It's one of the exciting teams to follow in this offseason in the EuroLeague. But let's go to Madrid, where a thrilling game happened. Real Madrid made an impressive comeback after being down by 18 points, led by veteran players Sergio Rodriguez and Lule. Real scored 59 points in the second half to win the game 98-94 against Partizan. Sergio Rodriguez was the MVP of the game with impressive 19 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists and 1 steal. Other top performers include Anzana Musa and, uh, for Real Madrid and Kevin Panther for Partizan, who scored 20 and 28 points respectively. Before the start of the game, Real aimed to become the first team to recover from losing the opening two games in a series of the playoffs of the EuroLeague. They achieved that. Partizan had already won twice in Madrid and had a significant boost with the return of the, their backward leader, Kevin Panther. But uh, they fell short in the end and didn't manage to, to find a, a way into the, the final four. Real Madrid's starting five included 
на DI, uh, with Yabo Sale and Deck uh, missing this game. The 18-year-old player was able to take good care of himself on the court in this game, and he contributed for the, the team win and for Real Madrid's win. But the story really was told on the second half and with the performance of... Uh, it looked like it was uh, 2013 with uh, Sergio Lul, with uh, Sergio Rodriguez and uh, Rudy Fernandez taking over a game and uh, conquering an impressive victory for Real Madrid. Partizan started the game on top and was leading by 16 at halftime, 39-55. But Real Madrid had an incredible comeback, scoring the, the 59 points in the second half and allowing only 39. Um and they locked this historical four-point win that made them not only achieve the final four, but become the, the first team ever coming back from a 2-0 deficit in the, a playoff series. It was a brilliant night for Real Madrid. Take the floor, Duke, and give us your takes about this game. Yeah, first of all, the, the first thing that popped up to me uh, was that my prediction uh, of Musa versus Punter was spot on because <laughs> both of them showed up and uh, Musa had to show up like the, the first four games he wasn't really himself so he had to but uh, even though he didn't close the game because the they went with that closing lineup of Sergio Rodriguez, Sergio Lul and Rudy Fernandez which is uh, pretty crazy to see in tw- 2023 <laughs> uh, but it worked for them absolutely they they came back and they won that game uh, we knew history was going to be made, uh, whoever won this game. Uh, Real being the first team to come back to, from 2-0 down and Partizan being the first team to win the three games on the road. Uh, but Real did it. It's pretty impressive that they were able to to come back in this series uh, without Yabuselli and without Gabriel Deck, especially in this game five. Uh, but they did a, a great job like dominating the paint and dominating the boards. Uh, Partizan did a, a great job shooting the ball, but it wasn't enough to, to overcome Real's dominance inside. But still, I think it was a hell of a season for Partizan. They they showed that they belong not only in the EuroLeague, but at the top of the EuroLeague. They they can compete with, with whatever team you put in front of them. So congrats to them on an amazing season. And for Real Madrid, I mean, uh, we talked about it all year, like they needed to be more consistent and show up a bit more but at the end of the day they they made it to the final four so that's the ultimate goal and now they're able to compete for a championship but uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna be tough without Yabuzele, Deck and Warrior in the final four but we'll see how they do uh, regardless it was a, a great series and congrats to Real Madrid on making the final four. Yeah absolutely it was brilliant to see the the survival instincts of, of all of those vets coming up and um, they finding a way to come back into this game and all those crazy three-point shots falling. It was it was a brilliant performance on the second half of Real Madrid and by their veterans. But um, Real Madrid has a great and deep roster and that's that they showed that on this game and they were able to, to find solutions even missing two important pieces for them and Yabosel and Dijk that, that you just mentioned. And uh, about Partizan, as you said, it was a great season mm-hmm. for me. The the most remarkable thing of this season was their growth across the, the season. They started very slowly and they grow into one of the more competitive teams and a team that any other teams will be fearing to, to face on these playoffs. 
it's a, a strange series by the way it evolved uh, with uh, the brawl that um, it really changed uh, the way as the, that the series was going uh, of course we cannot predict what will happen the other way but uh, they changed, take, took away the momentum that Partizan had and uh, they were in a premium position to make it to the final four and now they didn't but uh, I think they, they had a brilliant season they have uh, one of the best coaches of, if not the best coach of basketball, and looking forward to see what they will be doing in the next season of the EuroLeague. I, I think it's certain by now that uh, they will be in the EuroLeague next season, and their fans were the best of this edition of the EuroLeague, and uh, they performed in the court also. It's one of the best teams, and they can certainly keep growing from where they are right now, and we already heard that they are going after some big names. So a shout out for Partizan for their big season and for Real Madrid for once again getting into the final four. But we will be previewing what we expect from that. So let's end the Game 5 recaps in Greece, where in a critical matchup, Olympiakos got the win over Fenerbahce to secure a spot in the final four with Costas Lucas once again playing a significant role in the win, scoring 22 points, delivering 6 assists and grabbing 3 rebounds. Olympiakos' overall team performance was cohesive, combining their defensive intensity and discipline to help them triumph over Fenerbahce, who struggled to find answers against the, the home team aggression in this game. Olympiakos had a strong start to this game as we could expect and at half time they had an 11 point lead Vzenkov's involvement of, of, in this game was more prominent than in the previous games between these two teams we could notice his sense of urgency after he'd been limited in times in this series with Nigel Hezevis doing a great job on him and he started to play since early very physically, try to play closer to the basket, have a, a bigger impact in helping his team. And uh, he achieved that on this on this match. Fenerbahce clawed their way back into the game after a torrid start. Goodrich long-range shooting got Fenerbahce right back in it. But they needed someone else to step up with Goodrich. Eight three-pointers made being all the three-pointers that uh, the team had in the game. That's uh, That's a rare... Stat to to have in the end, Olympiakos' pace proved too much for Fenerbahce, who were unable to stop the home team from winning. The MVP was Costas Lucas, who helped Olympiakos to secure this dominant 84-72 victory. The top performances were also seen from Olympiakos Costas Papanikolaou, who records 14 points, 11 rebounds and one block, and Fenerbahce Marcus Guduric, who scored 26 points, 3 rebounds and 2 assists. While Fenerbahce ends up missing this edition's Final Four, despite having, in my opinion, one of the rosters with more talent in the whole competition, they have the building pieces in place to come into the next season as one of the my early favorites. But let's focus on this one for now and on Olympiakos continue to build on their excellent regular season, guaranteeing their place in the Final Four. What were the keys for their win on this Game 5, Duke? Okay, so first of all, uh, congratulations to Olympiakos for making it to the Final Four again. Uh, after the amazing regular season they had, they they needed to make to make it to the Final Four. So congrats to them on that. Uh, about the game specifically, I mean, I, I think this was a, a defensive clinic. Like, 
the way they, they were able to defend Fenerbahce in, in this game, they were so smart in the way they used Fall defensively because obviously we know there's no defensive three seconds in EuroLeague basketball. So he could just stay in the paint and Fenerbahce couldn't do anything. Because they had Fall in there, that didn't allow um, Nigel Hayes-Davis and Pierre to, to play in the post, which limits them offensively a lot because that obviously both of them have grown uh, very much offensively and they are good offensive players in today's game. But um, their strong suit offensively, especially Nigel Hayes-Davis, is to play with their back to the basket in the post. So with fall in there, that limit them a lot. But uh, And then uh, with Kaladis not being able to, to shoot, I mean, he, he can hit some, but he's not a shooter. And Fenerbahce doesn't really have a big that can shoot as well. Uh, the offense was, was rough, man. That's why Goodrich, when he came in, he was, he was the key for them to, to hit some shots. And like you said, he made all threes for his team, and and that's not regular at all. Uh, but yeah, I would like to have seen Carson Edwards play the point guard position a bit more, because without Wilbekin, they clearly needed somebody who could create and who can score. And Kaladis wasn't the answer for that. In in his minutes, they they struggled a lot, and they couldn't really create much offensively. Uh, and then Olympiakos. Uh, on the other side of the ball, of the ball. Uh, they had so much success with the Spanish pick and roll, uh, and Fenerbahce didn't have an answer for them at all. They they were they wasn't able to to defend that that play, and Olympiacos kept kept feasting and scoring anytime they wanted. So this just proved that the regular season was was not a fluke. Like they are a very good team on both sides of the ball. And they deserve to go to the Final Four, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. Fenerbahce can be a, a early contender for next year because getting Wilbekin back and they'll make their adjustments and they'll they'll bounce back for sure. We did two these, like he's going to put in work, obviously. So I think Fenerbahce is going to come out strong next year. But for now, just congrats to Olympiacos on an amazing season and we'll see what they do in the Final Four. Absolutely, Olympiacos deserves to be in this final four. They are, they have been an incredible team all year round. Fenerbahce had a season of ups and downs, and um, you were mentioning the shooting, and it's interesting to think that they were missing Wilbekin and Bielitsa that uh, we expected him to be able to give something to to this team, and he wasn't able to contribute across the season, unfortunately. Let's see what they can put up together, but they are in a great position to punch back from this uh, elimination and come strong and fight for a presence on the Final Four and they have the arguments to even fight to win it all next season. But let's focus on the victors and uh, let's start previewing the Final Four with the Spanish derby between Real Madrid and Barcelona with the game being played Friday, 19th of May at 8pm Central European time, 9pm local time in Kaunas and 2pm Eastern time for our American listeners. Barcelona has secured a spot in the, the Final Four by defeating Zalgiris trio in the playoffs. They will be competing in their 17th Final Four. They are aiming for their third EuroLeague title, having won in 2003 and 2010. 
Barcelona coach Jacique Vicius has the opportunity to become the fourth person to win the EuroLeague, both as a player and as a coach in this uh, Final Four that will be playing in their hometown in Cáñas. Real Madrid is the most successful team in the EuroLeague history, has made it to the Final Four for the seventh time in the last decade after beating Partizan on a thrilling five-game series that we just recapped. Real has the opportunity to win their 11th EuroLeague title. The table is set for the semifinals to be an elite one. I have been grading Barcelona as the top contenders, and I know that uh, you also had them as uh, your top contenders to win this edition of the EuroLeague, and uh, nothing has changed for me. I expect this game to be highly competitive, with the favoritism being on the Barcelona side. Last time these two teams met back in January, Real playing at home won 91-86, with Deck being the game MVP, and Real Madrid 38 points off turnovers being key for them to, to win this game. In the, the first game of the season, Barcelona won at home 75-73, with uh, Satoransky being the game MVP, while Deck was once again the best performer for Real Madrid, with uh, Mirotic still being out with an injury by, at that point of the season. For me, the fact that both Yabusel and Deck are out, and uh, Poirier is also out, as you had mentioned before on the podcast, will be a big advantage for Barcelona, that will be missing themselves Corey Higgins due to injury. He will also be missing this Final Four. But besides the absences, I believe that Barcelona three-point shooting, that is the, the best in the whole competition, will be an important weapon against Real Madrid defense that is anchored by Tavares' rim protection. For Real Madrid, the blueprint for a victory, in my opinion, will need to start with them causing many mistakes on a usually extremely organized Barcelona. The duel between Musa and Satoransky is also for me one of the keys of this matchup. With Real Madrid needing their wings to outperform Barcelona, since they don't have a match for Mirotic with Yabosel uh, and Dijk missing this game. Diogo, what do you see coming out of this uh, matchup and what will be the keys for this uh, semi-final? Okay, uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the keys first and I'm going to I'm going to let my prediction to the end. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I think uh, for Barcelona, um, I think they they got to move the ball. Uh, we know how good they are when that offense is flowing. Uh, I think they got to move the ball and find the open shooters. And depending on who's guarding Miritich, because like you said, without Deck, without Yabuzele, without Poirier, uh, they are lacking some size in, in the post uh, because we know Walter Tavares is not going to be guarding uh, Miritich. So I think they got to explore that, that matchup. Whoever's on Miritich uh, has to, to be explored because in the low post, he can get a lot of fouls. He can get to the free throws. So I think those are the keys to explore uh, whoever's guarding Miritich and then move the ball offensively and find the open shooters. Uh, for Real Madrid, I think they got to make Miritich defend because uh, I don't know if they're going to play maybe Mario at the four sometimes uh, with Musa at the three and maybe Miritich has to guard uh, Mario sometimes and I think you got to make him defend because... If he's going to be killing you on the offensive side and then he, he can rest on defense, then you're not going to beat Barcelona like that. So 
I think they gotta they gotta make Miritich defend. They gotta try to explore Walter Tavares inside because Sandley and Vesely are good players, but the size difference is considerable. So I think those are the keys for these teams. Uh, like you said, the wings need to show up for for Real Madrid, absolutely, and we gotta see what we get from Real Madrid's point guards because. Sergio Rodriguez is not going to give you a game like Game Five again. I don't think so. Maybe he proves me wrong, but uh, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. So I think, yeah, it's got to come from the outside because Walter Tavares is going to do his regular job. That's what he does every time. He's going to get offensive rebounds. He's going to get defensive rebounds. He's going to score in the paint. He's going to defend, protect the rim. But I think it's about the rest of the guys. Musa has to show up again. Uh, Mario as well. Like he can't be just one to be able to beat Barcelona. They are Barcelona's healthy, and they are in a great momentum. So Real Madrid needs to be very disciplined, and they got to play great basketball in order to win this game. But uh, I'm gonna pick Barcelona. Uh, I've been picking them for for a while now, and uh, I think they are the best team at this moment, and they they have the the best momentum after sweeping Zalgiris. So I think they're going to win this game. This is one of those situations where I would love that uh, Barcelona had a bigger wing depth, and especially with Corey missing the the final four, they they will be lacking there a bit to see if there is a team that is able to try to play uh, Walter Tavares out of the floor by using Mirotic at the five for some moments and see if that could work. Uh, I don't think that they have the pieces to to try that on this game. I wonder about Mike Toby's three-point shooting, if he will be able to be a weapon that might stretch Tavares out of the paint and if they can use that as a weapon, especially on their second lineups. I'm also very curious about the rotations for this game, especially on Barcelona's side if uh, they will extend their players enough or if they will rely too much on their second lineup. And we had discussed it on our previous podcast about who will be running point guard for their second lineup. And that will be one of the keys for me because Real Madrid has shown that their bench units can be quite tricky to play against as uh, they just brought them back into the game on the, their last game in the game five. They can step up to the occasion. And while I also don't expect uh, such a, a big game from Sergio Rodriguez on this one, I can see Sergio Rodriguez and Rodri Fernandez and Rule exploring uh, some advantages against Barcelona's second unit. So I wonder how... Oh yeah, absolutely. I wonder how Jasikiewicz will uh, be able to stagger his players and prepare the, the matchup to see if we don't see once again in this season Barcelona being able to build a lead, being even the superior team, but allowing the other team to come back. For me, that, those will be some of the keys that I will be looking at on this game. Yeah, I think the the point about the, the rotation and the second unit for Real Madrid is... They're all experienced players. They're all vets. They've been they've been in these moments, and they know how to win in these moments. So I think Barcelona has to be pretty smart about their rotations because we've seen them struggle a lot with their bench units. So, like I said on the previous podcast, I, I would use uh, La Provitula as the the point guard when Sarovinsky is on the bench, but uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, We'll see, man. I think it's going to be a great game, but I expect Barcelona to win. And yeah, 
it it's is absolutely it is. that i also think it will be a very competitive game but uh, i'm also favoring barcelona and in the end we will give our predictions for for the final four and let's see if we have barcelona winning it all we'll get there but uh, it will be a very competitive game and if barcelona doesn't make use of their advantages and i expect them that they will because now it's the moment to do that they can uh, get themselves into trouble and real madrid has the players and the iq to to make them pay if they don't but uh, Let's get into the other semi-final. will be played by Olympiacos and Monaco. The game will be played also Friday at 5 p.m. Central European time, 6 p.m. local time in Kaunas, and it's 11 a.m. Eastern time. Olympiacos finished this edition of the EuroLeague with the best regular season. They advanced to the final four the, for the second consecutive year after beating Fenerbahce in a thrilling five-game series. Olympiacos has a rich history in the EuroLeague with the chance to win their fourth title. The team leads the competition in various statistical categories, such as assists, steals and two-point shooting percentage. Bartokas has guided Olympiacos to a title back in 2013. Monaco, on the other hand, is just... Uh, in their second season in the EuroLeague. They secured the spot in the 2023 Final Four by defeating Maccabi in a five-game series as well. This uh, redemption came after losing in a Game 5 to Olympiacos in the previous year, and Monaco qualif- qualifies for the, their first-ever Final Four appearance on the, this edition of the EuroLeague, making them the 29th team to reach this stage since the format was adopted in 1988. With their impressive performance during the season, Monarch leagues the league in two-point shots made and uh, offensive rebounds this season, but uh, their Achilles heel has been the three-point shoot percentage. Monaco had an impressive achievement by beating Olympiacos twice this season. They were one of the few being able to do it. They beat Olympiacos in Greece 76-81 and in Monaco 64-60. Monaco comes into this uh, Final Four with the best record of all teams in games that ended with a point difference of uh, 5 or less points, winning 10 and losing 5 times, while Olympiacos had only 4 wins and lost 5 times in these situations. Despite this being a good indication on the on Monaco's ability to close games and uh, despite of them winning the their two head-to-head matches during this season I expect uh, Olympiacos to be able to dominate this matchup and I'm picking them to make it to the final despite their results in the regular season the battle of the rebounds will be one of the keys for this matchup but mostly I expect Olympiacos ability to execute and uh, come into the game with a better game plan to be their advantage uh, in this matchup against uh, Monaco. For Monaco, their three points falling in this game will certainly be important, with them ranking in last in the three-point percentage during the season between all 18 teams. Also, the health of Mike James and uh, Lloyd that suffer injuries late on their last game will be determining factors for their chances, but uh, we will need to see how they look like and uh, if Monaco will be able to come up with a game plan to contradict what for me is the Olympiacos favoritism in this semi-final. Diogo, what do you expect from this matchup? I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, after the, the playoffs last year, uh, going to Game 5 and it, it was a hell of a series, uh, I think Monaco has the type of, of players that they are going to want revenge, uh, like especially Mike James, uh, I think they're going to be hungry to to beat Olympiacos in this semifinal. 
And I think, like you said, they need to hit shots because we know how good Olympiacos is defensively and offensively. So in order to keep up with them, they they got to be able to hit those open shots because they're not going to get many open shots. Uh, like the series with Maccabi, I think Mike James needs to be aggressive from the start. He has to set the tone for his team and the rest of the guys just got to follow. I think Mike starting aggressive will take a lot of pressure off of Jordan Lloyd and Elio Kobo, and then they can ease into that game and perform as well. So I think that's going to be the the biggest key is for Mike to be aggressive. And then they got to stay solid on the boards because we know Fall, Vezenkov, Tariq Black, I mean, those guys get a lot of rebounds. So I think Monaco, Monaco needs to, to fight a lot. They, they got to be physical and they got to try to, to box out Fall as much as possible to, to be able to guarantee those possessions. Uh, and of course, Olympiacos, the, they are great defensively. I think they're going to be very well prepared. Uh, John Brown is a, a good matchup for Vezenkov, but other than him, I don't know who you can throw at, at Sasha. So I think Sasha is going to... After a, a series where he struggled, I think he's going to be able to bounce back and have a good game. Uh, Slukas off the bench, he has been amazing. For me, uh, he has been probably the best player in the playoffs this year. So we'll, we'll see what they do. But I think it's going to be a very exciting game. And uh, this might surprise some people, but uh, I'm going to pick Monaco to win. Why are you picking Monaco to win? I think the first of all, uh, losing last year, I think it's going to have such a great impact on their motivation, and I, I think they're going to be extra motivated for this game. And then I think Mike James um, will be the best player on the court, and I think it's, he's going to stay aggressive because obviously it has worked for them, and and then they have beaten Olympiacos both times this year, so. If there's a team that can beat them, it's Monaco. And um, in a one-game uh, win-or-go-home scenario, uh, I'm going to trust Mike James to, to show up and lead his team. And uh, I think they have the right personnel around him to to perform as well and to help him. So I think they're going to get the win. It's not going to be easy, of course, and they are not the favorites at all. But uh, I'm going to go with them. I think both semifinals will be very interesting and competitive and enticing. I just think that Olymp- I trust Olympiacos' ability to game plan and to mostly execute to be able to frustrate some of the things that um, Monaco is able to do it. If they are able to to take away their mid-range and their ability to attack the basket and I, I think my, um, I think that Olympiacos has the pieces to do that. I think on the other side of the floor, Monaco might have some challenges to to stop Olympiacos. And that's why I think at this moment of the the competition, Olympiacos will step up, will come back from those two losses during the regular season. And I trust them to to make it to the finals. But let's this lead us to our predictions. And I will go ahead. I have Barcelona winning it all. Olympiacos ending in second place. And uh, I have... um, Monaco in third place and Real Madrid in fourth. What about you? I have uh, Barcelona winning it all. I have Monaco second. I have Olympiacos third and I have Real Madrid fourth. Okay, so we agree on first and fourth places. Very well. <laughs> we have a very good final four ahead. I just think that um, in that semifinal, uh, Monaco and Olympiacos, I just think the difference for me is, and we, we talked about this a couple of times throughout the season, 
uh, when the game is close, and I think it will be close, uh, I'm going to give the advantage to, to Monaco and their players who are able to create uh, rather than Olympiacos. So uh, I just think that's going to be a, a major difference in the end of the game. So I got to go. I got to go with them. Never doubt Costas Locus. Let's wrap up Thanks. another Thanks. E- Thanks. European Hoops episode. Make sure you guys tune in to our recap of the Final Four coming out on Wednesday, followed by the start of our off-season special episodes every Wednesdays during the off-season, where we will be recapping this, this historical season from each team's perspective, leading to our World Cup coverage. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itos Eroli, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports, and our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is Andre, and I'll be seeing you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on next episode.